You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hey, good morning, Marathon. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? You guys watching online, thanks so much for joining us. We're in uh, part two of Love, Dates, and Heartbreaks today, and let me just encourage you this way. If you're one of those people that kind of likes to hold their Bible, take notes, uh, we're heading over to 1 Corinthians 13, and you might want to jump over there right now. I know some of you like to follow along in the Bible app, 1 Corinthians 13. The best way to follow along with the message is actually on the Marathon Church app. The scripture's in there, my notes are in there, and there's even a place in there for you to take your own notes. So really cool, and uh, grab, grab the app and follow along. And uh, we're talking about relationships. So this series really is for everybody. It doesn't really matter where you are in life. This is for everybody. This is for people who are dating, or maybe who want to be dating. This is for high school students, college students, uh, single people. Uh, it's for married people. Um, it's for people that maybe are single again. Um, this is really for everybody. Uh, this series is for anybody that's serious about romance, anybody that wants to be in a long-term relationship. Uh, th- this is for us. This is for all of us. And, and let, me, let me just keep it real for a moment because Brian kind of started with this last week, and, and this is heartbreaking. We've become very good at making relationship decisions that undermine our relationships. Unfortunately, this this is so true in our culture. We're very good at making decisions that undermine our relationships. And and listen, there's so much avoidable pain in life. Uh, There's so many things that complicate our lives. And, And then on top of it, we make poor relationship decisions that harm us and harm others and really destroy our relationships. And the sad and difficult truth today is that some of us have lived this and probably all, most if not all of us have seen this. We've all seen friends, family members, people that we love make poor relationship decisions. And, And I know this, many times it's difficult to see when you're about to make one of those errors. It's easy to see when, it's hard to see when you're about to make one of those relationship decisions that's gonna harm somebody, and it's easier for other, to, to see in other people. Like, you can spot it when your friend's about to mess up. It's a lot easier to see in somebody else's life. And here's the thing, it's difficult to see because love clouds our judgment. Sometimes lust clouds our judgment. It's difficult to see bad relationship decisions because the entire process can be cloudy. Now, last week, Brian started us off by talking about two relationship myths, two relationship myths that that really will cloud our judgment. And many times these myths lead to poor assumptions and poor relationship decisions. The first one he talked about is the right person myth. The right person myth says that once you meet the right person, everything will be all right. Once you meet the right person, everything will be fine, everything will be all right, and all the married people said, 
yeah, right. The, the myth goes that no matter what you do between now and then, that once you meet the right person, no matter what you did before or what you will do after, everything will be fine. Once you meet the right person, all the bad habits will go away, all of the insecurity will go away, all, all of a sudden he'll turn into a perfect gentleman, she'll turn out to be a lovely lady. The myth goes, you know, you're, you're kind of a jerk right now, but once you meet the right person, you'll turn into a nice person. And what we find out is that we don't magically transform once we meet the right person. You're the same old person that you always were, and it ruins the relationship. And, and the right person myth affects our decisions, and it messes with what we think is ideal. And what we do is we, we think about the ideal person. We think and dream about the right person. We daydream about the right person. But none of us ever daydream of being the right person. We only dream of finding the right person. If I could meet the right person, everything would be fine. That is a myth. If you've been around the block once or twice, you know it's a myth. So the question that we were left with is, are we becoming the right person? And Brian hit us with this alarming question. Are you becoming the person the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you becoming the person you're looking for is looking for? Are, are you looking for someone or are you becoming someone? The second myth is the promise myth. The promise myth says that a promise replaces preparation. You, you don't have to prepare yourself for a relationship. You can just promise yourself into a great relationship. All that you need is a ceremony and some vows. A vow, a ring, a party, and boom, you're good. And I have to tell you honestly, when I said I do, I thought we were good to go. I found the right person and I made the big promise, all good. The myth says that you can promise yourself into a great relationship. You, you can promise your way out of your bad habits. But the truth is, as Brian pointed out, there is no substitute for preparation. If, if you want a great relationship, it's not enough to simply pray and promise. The secret to a great relationship is preparation. Saying I do does not make you capable. It only makes you accountable. And he hit us with this. When you're accountable but not capable, eventually you'll be miserable. Being, being accountable does not make you capable. And then Brian showed us the key element to our relational success. He said that it's about being connected to Jesus, our true vine. He said our only hope is to fulfill Jesus' command to love as he has loved us. And the only way that you can do that is if you stay connected to Jesus. And he told us that following Jesus will elevate our relationship game. Jesus tells his followers that everything in life hangs on this one thing. Everything, including our relationships, hangs on 
love others as Jesus has loved us. Love each other. Love each other not the way that you've been loved, not the way that you hear about love, not the way that you imagine love. Jesus says, love as I have loved you. Now that's a whole nother level. And so today we're going to go to a whole nother level and talk about the fine print. Whenever you make a contract, there's always fine print. There's always more detail than you imagined. The fine print, the details, will make you the person, the person you're looking for, is looking for. The details will make you a person worth fighting for. The details will make you a person worth keeping. If, if we're going to get good at relationships, we have to get good at these things that we're going to talk about today. The, these are the skills that we must practice if we want to get good. This is the preparation. This is how you become a better person. This is how you become the right person. This is how you become the person you're looking for is looking for. This is how you get better. Now, let me just get this out of the way because this isn't this series, all right? And let me just keep it real for a second. Sex does not make a relationship. Sex makes babies. I didn't put that in the notes. You might want to add that. Sex makes babies. I'm not saying, please hear me, I'm not saying that great sex is not a vital part of a vibrant marriage. But sexual experience does not make a relationship. Romance and relationships are not fueled by experience. Romance and relationships are fueled by being exclusive. So how do you become this person? This is the fine print. This is what you need in your preparation, in your relationship preparation. All right, so let me just set this up real quick because this is really cool. This will change the way that you see and read the Bible. Jesus said that we're to love each other as he has loved us. But he doesn't really give us any specifics. And so the apostle Paul comes along and he's, he's writing to a non-Jewish world. He's writing to people who've never been under the Jewish law. They didn't grow up under love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And Jesus then says, but love as I've loved you. And Paul comes along and says, so this is what that looks like practically. Paul realizes that there's a cultural divide. And so he takes Jesus' command and he expands it for us. And that's what you see in all of Paul's writing. He takes Jesus' command to love as he has loved, and he makes it practical. He gives us the application of love as Jesus has loved. Paul's not giving a new command. Paul's imperatives are applications of Jesus' command. He's giving us application of Jesus' one command to love as he has loved. That's why when you read one of Paul's letters, he always ties everything back to Jesus. He's not giving us a new command. Paul is saying, this is what it looks like in the real world. He's defining love for us. We're to love as Christ has loved us, and this is what it looks like. Now, we call 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. All right? This is extremely practical. This is what loving like Jesus looks like. The first thing that he says is love is patient. Love is patient. 
Love is not pushy. Love does not pressure. Love defers. Love accommodates. Loving like Jesus means that you're patient. Love is patient and love is kind. So here's our deal in our culture. We associate kindness with weakness. But unkindness means that you can't control yourself. Unkindness means that I can't control my big fat mouth. I love how Andy Stanley defines kindness. He says, kindness is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. Kindness doesn't constantly remind somebody of their weakness. Kindness is loaning someone your strength. Kindness is doing for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Kindness is love's response to weakness. And see, that's exactly what God did for us. Paul wrote to the Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say after we got our junk together, Christ died for us. No, God looked ahead in time and he saw what a mess I would be and he saw what a mess you would be and he saw how self-centered we would be and he sent Jesus Christ to die for us. God loaned us his strength in our weakness and Jesus says, I want you to do the same for others. And so let me ask you this, what is your typical response to weakness? We, we must pay close attention to our response to weakness because there will be a time in every relationship when a weakness will be revealed. If you're dating right now or if you're about to be dating, please pay close attention. Watch how the person that you're dating responds to weakness because eventually it will be the way that they respond to your weakness. They'll, they'll be on their best behavior when you're dating, when they're pursuing you, but eventually their response to weakness will be their response to you. Love is patient and love is kind. And then Paul gives us three relationship toxins. He tells us what love does not do. God's love never does these things and you should not either. He said it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. In other words, love allows the other person to shine. L love steps out of the spotlight and shares the spotlight. And listen, this is so important. There, there's so much to learn about doing for others what Christ has done for us. Lo love is not threatened by another person's success. L love is able to celebrate with others without injecting their own story. There's no desire to one-up them. And, and this is where this gets real. This is what makes this so difficult. If you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let others feel good about themselves. If you have trouble rejoicing when they are rejoicing, you have some work to do. And listen, it undermines your ability to love as God and Christ has loved you. Check out what Paul wrote about Jesus to the church at Philippi. He said, though he was God, 
He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. This is Paul's way of saying that Jesus was fully God when he walked on this earth, but he never played the God card to get his own way. Jesus was willing to stay out of the spotlight that he fully deserved. And Paul is asking us to do the same. Paul is saying, forgo your rights sometimes. Forgo your privilege. Pass on taking the credit even if you deserve it. Take a pass on the opportunity to talk about all that you've done so you can highlight what someone else has done. We've probably all, all been guilty of this. Like when you, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they're, they're getting credit for something and then you just throw something in just to keep them in check. That will undermine your ability to love those around you. Here's a little exercise for you. Pay close attention to your internal reaction to the success of somebody close to you. When somebody is getting credit, do you add to the accolades or do you try to subtract? If you've ever said, well, I don't want them to get the big head. Listen, life takes the big head out of most of us. Circumstances have a way of keeping us humble. And please understand today, we're not simply talking about a personal character issue. This is about our ability to love like Jesus. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. And this next one could be a message all its own. Love does not dishonor others. Love does not dishonor others. Love is graceful, love is decent, and love is honorable. Can you imagine if we honored others in our culture? We, we live in such a culture, here in America, we live in such a culture of disrespect and dishonor. It, it, it's heartbreaking. Can you imagine if we honored others in our culture? And let me just talk to, to the guys for a second. What, what would, would it be like, guys, if we deci decided to never dishonor a woman for the rest of our lives? I will not dishonor a woman with my words. I will not dishonor a woman with my look. I will not dishonor a woman with my response. I will not dishonor a woman behind her back with the guys. I will honor women the, the way that God has honored me. Do you know how unique that would be in our culture? Do you know how honoring that would be to God? And I, do, I, I know the idea of honor is not thought much of in our world. But can I tell you that honor is at the heart of every satisfying relationship? Paul helps us out by defining honor. This is how you practically honor another person. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, here's the thing, and please get this. 
They are not more valuable than you. But you treat them as if they are. Because that's what God through Christ has done for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. I mean, what does it say about you that somebody was willing to die for you? Nobody's life is more valuable than anybody else's life. That's not the issue. This is about submitting to others. This is about taking someone's burden. That's what Christ has modeled for us. That's what honor looks like. Value someone as if they have more value than you. Listen, everybody listening, everybody in this room, everybody everywhere knows how to do this. We know how to do this. We know how to honor other people. We just don't. And this is how I know. If you had an opportunity to have dinner with your favorite actor, actress, artist, or athlete, you would bring the best version of you. I don't know what celebrity you crush on. Guys, I don't know who your man crush is. But if you had the chance to have dinner with them, think about all that you would go through to prepare. Think about how you would behave. Because that's what honor looks like. You wouldn't think of standing them up. And you would be on time. Some of y'all could just start by honoring people with your time. That, that was extra today. No charge for that. That was, that was free. You, you'd be on time. No chance of standing them up. And if they were late, you wouldn't say, Dabo, I mean, dude, I got places to go, people to meet. I got a life, man. Been waiting on you. Not a chance. And don't act like Dabo's not some of y'all's man crush, okay? I know how this works. No, you're, you're totally going to defer. You'd be like, Biebs. We get to claim Justin Bieber now, right? He's, he's, in Christianity, we claim Justin Bieber now. That's so awesome. And he's late. He's like, man, I'm sorry I'm so late. And you're like, no problem. It's no big deal. I'm honored to have this opportunity. We know how to do this. We just don't. See, that's what our Heavenly Father has done for us. Jesus, Jesus says, I don't want you to just love I want you to love like I have loved you. Now, let me say this because some of you may be living this. Do not stay in a relationship where you are consistently dishonored. If you're in a relationship, if you're dating someone that consistently dishonors you, break up today. In fact, just grab your phone right now. You have my permission. I'm kidding. Never break up by text. That's dishonorable. If you're being dishonored, you need to break up right away. If you're in a relationship where you are continually dishonored, you need to get out because eventually you'll begin to believe that you don't deserve to be honored. 
You'll believe that you're not worthy of honor. And once you believe that you're dishonorable, you'll begin to behave dishonorably and the cycle will just continue. Listen, even if I don't know you, I know this about you. You are inherently honorable. I know that because you have great value. I know that you have great value because value is determined by price. The value of anything is determined by the price that it will bring. Paul tells us earlier in 1 Corinthians that we are bought with a price. You you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. God loved you so much. God valued you so much. God honored you so much that he sent his son to die for you. It's the highest price that's ever been paid. And it was paid for you. You have great value. You deserve to be honored. And if you're not being honored, get out. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I'm married and it's complicated. Please understand that I am not advocating for divorce. Please do not use this as an excuse to get out of a relationship that you should stay in. All relationships require hard work. Be willing to do the hard work. But if you are in an environment where you are continually dishonored, get out. Because it is so unhealthy. Do not allow yourself to be dishonored. And please, please do not dishonor others. And again, we know how to do this. We know what honor looks like. Now, I know that the idea of an honorable date sounds crazy to some of you. Some of you are thinking, you know, you're dating and you're thinking, honor? Boring. Because this sounds like the worst date ever to you. You're like, okay, let me get this straight. We're going to go to dinner and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be patient and I'm going to let her tell all of her stories without being a topper. And I'm going to drop her off at 8.30 so she can get a good night's sleep and be ready for church in the morning. Yeah, so that sounds horrible. Well, well, of course it does. Because in our culture, dating is not about becoming somebody. Dating is about getting somebody or something. And it's fueled by the right person myth. It's fueled by the assumption that I don't need to prepare. You, you don't become somebody. You wouldn't think of becoming somebody. You just want to get on the hunt for somebody. And here's the deal. You can be impatient. You can be unkind. You can be dishonorable. And you can go looking for somebody who is patient, kind, and honorable. But they're probably not looking for you. If you want to win in relationships, you have to prepare to win. This is about being prepared when you meet the person of your dreams. Jesus' new command to love as he is loved and Paul's fine print is how you become a person worth looking for. If you're already in a relationship or in a marriage, this is how you become somebody worth staying for. It's how you become the person you're looking for is looking for. 
And look, I know this doesn't come naturally to us. We're not taught this in our homes. We're not taught this in our culture. As Brian said last week, we think that once we say I will or I do, that everything will be all right. Most of us that are married thought that all of this would just come naturally if we met the right person. We, we thought our spouse would be perfect and they wouldn't require patience. It wouldn't require any kindness. Everybody, we, we met the right person and we said I do and so we'll just all, we'll just both lay aside our pride and honor one another. Somehow, someway, everything will be fine. But see, deep down inside, we know better than that. Let, let me share some good news with you today. On Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, Amy and I will be married for 37 years. You talk about, thanks. Yeah. Just so you know, you're clapping for Amy because you have no idea how much patience, kindness, and honor it takes for her to live with me. And here's the bad news. I was completely unprepared for marriage. I just thought I met the right person. But here's the good news from 37 years. Marrying well will make you a better person. The reason that marrying well made me a better person is because I had to confront my selfishness. See, when you get serious and you get married, you'll be forced to confront your selfishness. So if you marry well, you're going to come to grips with your self-centeredness and then you're going to have kids and it's going to start all over again and you'll be reminded once again what a selfish jerk you really are. Listen, marrying well will make you a better person, but there is no substitute for preparation. Listen, the reason we're here, the reason that we're doing this series is that we want you to win in your relationships. We want you to win in your relationships now. We want you to win in your future relationships. And this is what I want you to remember today. What you do today matters. How you treat people matters. How you date matters. It's all about preparation. Now, when I think about preparation, I think about this guy. Don't get too excited, ladies. I mean, that's a studly Tom Brady right there, right? It's pretty pitiful, actually, isn't it? So this is his NFL combine picture from 2000, right? He was drafted in the sixth round. He was the 199th guy selected. The guy couldn't be more unimpressive. But he went from that to this. And you can cheer or boo if you want. Go ahead, go ahead if you want. I don't, it doesn't matter if you love him or you hate him. You have to respect him because he's put in the work. His preparation is impeccable. Preparation transformed him. Preparation made him a winner. Preparation made him, and it's not, there's no debate, preparation made him the GOAT. The guy turned 44 on Tuesday. He's 44 years old, preparing for his 21st season. Guy's played 20 seasons. He's been to 10 Super Bowls. The guy in that first picture, been to 10 Super Bowls. 
preparation allows him to play at the highest level at age 44. And this is what he said. He said, I think the great part about what I do is that there's a scoreboard. At the end of every week, you know how you did. You know how well you prepared. You know whether you executed your game plan. There is a tangible score. And let me tell you that every day in life, there is a relationship scoreboard. It may not be as tangible as the score of a football game, but you know if you won or lost. And listen, you can roll the dice and hope that it all turns out in the end, or you can prepare. And here's the promise. Following Jesus and embracing the idea of loving others as Jesus has loved us will prepare us to win in our relationships. Now, next week, we're going to give you some more of Paul's fine print. But in the meantime, I want you to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and 5. I don't know if you want to read it in your Bible or on the Bible app, or maybe just Google it or it'll pop right up, or maybe just take a screenshot of this. You'll have it on your phone all week. I want you to read this passage every day this week. In fact, I want you to turn it into a prayer. I I want you to pray it every day. I I want you to ask God what he wants to do in your life. I want you to make room for God and ask him what he wants to do in your life. And I want you to pray this week, God, would you help me be patient? Heavenly Father, would you help me be patient? Would you teach me kindness? Father, by your spirit, would you remove envy and boastfulness and, and pride from me? And Father, by your spirit, would you teach me to be honorable? Would you teach me to to treat everyone that I see, everyone that I come in contact with, would you teach me to treat them with honor because I know how much you value them? Read it every day this week. Pray it every day this week. In fact, would you stand with me right now? I want us to pray it together. If you just bow your head right where you are today, I, I just want us to pray this together. Following Jesus, embracing the idea of loving others as Jesus has loved, that's what will prepare us for our relationship. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you make me more patient? By your spirit, would you help me to be more kind? Father, would you take away my pride? Would you help me to set aside my pride? so that I can live in an honorable way. I pray that you would make me a new person. I pray, Father, by your spirit, I could become the right person so that I can have the right relationships. And Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.